Welcome to Unsound Theories. I'm Kat. I'm Kira. And we watch movies with no sound and no subtitles and try to figure out what the hell is going on. Spoilers, we don't. we watched this week so we watched a tiny little movie with some no-name actor um the movie is called ad astra and it stars brad pitt yeah and tommy lee jones tommy lee jones and that other guy who's also old donald sutherland that man yes yeah i was like really excited because i thought it was gonna be like a space cowboys reunion (laughs) and it just turns out that tommy lee jones didn't die at the end of that movie (laughs) uh that's possible we can explore that for sure oh god who else was in that movie now um Uh... it was donald sutherland tommy lee jones clint eastwood and um someone else i'm looking this up now um I didn't see it, so I can't help. Yeah, okay, so it was Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones, Donald Sutherland, and James Garner. Okay. We're off to a great start for being on topic. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay, so we open with a little blurb telling us that the movie takes place in the near future, and something about, like, hope, and I was like, well, we're off to a bad start here, because we've gone way off track. Humanity looks to the stars for the promise of hope and whatever is what I have in my notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hope in the near future. <laughs> Excuse me? No. You've lost me. <clears throat> so uh, we get Brad Pitt being very sullen. And this is our, uh, like, right off the bat, we get our first shot of what I think is a major through line in the movie. Um, he's got a little thing on his neck. And I had a couple of thoughts as to what maybe this might be. My first assumption was some sort of neck drugs. Did you? That's kind of what I was thinking, like a futuristic like drug that's supposed to help with um, like space sickness or whatever. Yeah. And like the easiest way to do it is a like injectable, but like they have a little injection port rather than making you like open up a vein every single time yeah he's just got like a little tab thing that he sticks on his neck um i assume it's for tab soda it's either tab soda or alternatively surge soda what about josta well i think surge soda is the most likely because they do have some news blurbs about global surge so i feel like that's some sort of marketing campaign uh, speaking of marketing, <laughs> this movie had like uh, definitely had like a lot of financial support from like Applebee's, Lockheed Martin, and like other companies that produce a lot of bullshit for the military. Yeah, like it almost felt like a Space Force commercial. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, definitely. If the Space Force was a thing at that point, it would have been a Space Force commercial. Isn't this a fairly recent movie? Yes, but, like, the Space Force didn't officially exist until, like, this year, I think. Yeah, I'm sure they wanted to, like, you know, get some marketing going on early, but it's... We're already off track. We start with um, Brad Pitt on a space tower. 
and yeah i think it was like a space elevator was it an elevator like to make it easier to get into space yeah but also it seemed less elevator and more ladders (laughs) like they just kind of had ladders to space which seems hideously inefficient you just gotta climb your way up you would get so fucking tired after a while (laughs) like holy shit why and so he's like going out i'm assuming he's like gonna work on it or something Mm -hmm. or maybe he's just going home after a a shift on the job and he has to climb down the ladder all the way to earth um but he's climbing down and i think I, i think it's a repair it's probably a repair but you never know He's climbing down a ladder and like shit above him just like starts exploding and falling down. And he has the presence of mind to pull a lever, which as far as I could tell, just made more stuff explode. I I think what it did was it cut off the electrical surge, like going further down the thing okay. and making more of it explode. Okay. I do feel like maybe surge protection should be an automatic thing and not a lever that has to be pulled. Probably. I mean, this is the near future. Maybe they've lost that technology, but I do have a surge protector that my computer is plugged into. So maybe like that, that patent is tied up in some sort of like patent troll litigation or something. And so that it's just completely lost to the world. Who knows? It's that's entirely possible given how like it's the near future and humanity has to look to the stars for hope because the world is so shitty. So I imagine like everything is tied up in patent troll lawsuits. That would explain a lot. Okay, so um, one of the things that I have in my notes for this scene is that, like, the robot arms, I was like, oh, I wonder if those robot arms are designed based on the cannon arm. Is it? Because, you know, it wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about something (laughs) Canada-related within, like, the first five minutes of something. Yeah. Just like with last episode, I talked about how, oh, I guess they're... (laughs) I guess they're in Winnipeg. Nope, it was the U.S. military the whole time they weren't in Winnipeg. So he falls off the tower. Oh, yeah. No, he, like, fucking... He, like, fully... He, like, does, like, a back drop, like, a truss fall off the tower. He fully commits to this, like, exo-atmosphere-based jumping. Yeah. And he, like, spins for a while. Um, And unfortunately, I was eating at that point (laughs) for the spinning. And that was bad for me as a person. Uh, yeah, it was like the first. Okay, so like I, with the other movies we've watched so far, right? Like the first like 10, 15 minutes, I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to do this for another, you know, 80 minutes, basically. Yeah. With this one, at least they had me entertained for like the first half hour. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, wow, half an hour's already happened. That's cool. I was fully in for the full movie. They they lost me like, not that I want to get ahead, but like I my my brain was like screaming for some form of stimulation like an hour into the movie. So I went and made bread. <laughs> there were definitely some slow parts. Um, like there, there were definitely some shots that went on way too long, like right after he falls from space. He makes it, by the way. There's some shit with his parachute where, like, some debris falls through it and tears a hole in it. But he does manage to make it down, and he's fine. But, like, right after that, there's, like, some gratuitous-ass shots that go on way too long of, like, some pills 
and then just like some bandages. I, I assume like it's like his recovery from like breaking both of his fucking legs. Yeah, probably. Um, I also have in my notes here that um, he's a certified wife guy. A certified wife guy? Yes. Half of the movie is moments of him like sitting there like thinking about his wife. Yeah. So he is definitively a wife guy, which I found relatable. He is pretty fly for a wife guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I I do have to spoil one thing. And I apologize to the listeners who were expecting it. There is unfortunately no hair-based no. traumatic events that happen over the course of this movie. Yeah, no. And I'm a little disappointed. Unfortunately. Like, we had a real good running bit there. And then now, nope, Brad Pitt had to come in and not have any hair-based horror in his movie. There was one. I, I did have one hair note, actually, though. There was one point at which it definitely looked like they CGI'd facial hair onto him. They also definitely CGI'd Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. And like CGI'd his hair back to its like original color or whatever. Yeah, there was some weird CGI going on in this movie, which is fine. Like you do you, movie makers. It's whatever. Yeah, like but the- like b- hair like mustaches don't get blurry at the edge. So maybe Like, do it, but do a better job of it. You've never seen someone with a blurry mustache? (laughs) No, I've seen a lot of mustaches in my time. Never seen a blurry one. Okay, you need to, like, turn up motion blur on... Oh, on real life. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Then also turn off V-Sync. Okay. Okay, where where the fuck am I in my notes? I always jump around notes, you know. Uh... Okay, so, like, I I had a note that he definitely has survivor's guilt. Yeah. Because, like, all That's of... That's possible. All of those people who were, like, up in the space elevator with him definitely died. Mm-hmm. They for sure did. Uh, he's very sullen about, like, the whole situation, I think, it seems like. Um, he, then he gets, like, called into, like, a military conference room. And they talk to him. They show him some YouTube videos... I guess I, I'm not entirely sure. They show him some videos. I th- is this they show him Tommy Lee Jones videos? Yes. Yes, they do. Yeah, it, there's a, I, I have it in my notes. OK, so here are some pictures of your dad. Tell us about how dadly he was. Is it his dad? I think so. They oh, have the same last name. They do. I thought it was his husband. You thought Tommy Lee Jones was Brad Pitt's husband? Yes. But he's got his, but like he had wife guy moments. Yeah, his husband went to space and he's like, like they, they like broke up, but never like officially got divorced. And then he's like, he totally swears off men and he gets married to a woman and becomes a wife guy. But he's got this like husband out in space a secret husband a secret space husband yeah who's also old enough to be his dad (laughs) and is his dad i'm bad at that thing where you tell someone's age by looking at them i can (laughs) i can go within about three decades i also wasn't sure if there was like some weird like you know near light like 
time fuckery that would have made them like slightly different ages or something. I don't know. Okay, that's that's fair. Um, I mean, there was a scene where it looked like they almost kissed through their helmets. So who am I to to judge? Um, this is, oh, we also find out from this scene that Brad Pitt's last name is McBride. Yes. So this is one of the this is one of the few movies we've seen where we're able to actually tell the characters' real names because yeah. they're all in the military, so they just wear them on their shirts. Yeah, I still just called him Brad. I called him Brad McBride. <laughs> McBrad. Brad McBride sounds legitimately like a like a modern country star. It's like, oh yeah, it's me, but Brad McBride. I write songs about trucks. I was gonna go with someone who makes Adult Swim cartoons, <laughs> like the past to two a.m. Adult Swim cartoons yeah he makes like like a 10 minute short that's a very solid read on brad mcbride Brad mcbride yes um then we get some more shots we get a shot of brad mcbride using a glass phone and i just want to like put it out here no <laughs> why why does sci-fi think we'll have glass phones that's bad <laughs> Like especially in the near future. In the in the near future, it's bad. Like the picture is bad, but like you can't like there's no backlighting possible. You can't get a good picture. And also, I already lose my phone and it's black. Can you imagine <laughs> if it was transparent? I would go through so many phones. Like I, I have <laughs> I lose my phone with some frequency, like somewhere in my apartment where I'll be like, oh, I'm going to go make dinner. Where's my phone? And it'll be like somewhere where I was like three hours ago. Yeah, I lost my phone today. It was it's black. It was on a white countertop and it took me like 10 minutes to find it. Have you seen that TikTok where the the guy is like uh, about to film like a dance video? He hears a noise gets distracted by that noise and then like walks away and loses his phone for an hour (laughs) because that's me. Yeah, that is. Yeah, exactly. So glass phones. No, we say no to glass phones. They, They had like just glass screen everything. And like, I get that it looks futuristic. But it sucks. It really would suck. And also, like... It sucks so bad. Their whole idea of futuristic was, like, a weird mix of, like, modern concepts of the future and retro future. Yeah. Also, on the topic of glass phones, people can see what you're looking at from, (laughs) from the back of the phone. And that's not ideal. No. Like... If I'm gonna get nudes from my girlfriend at work... I don't want my boss to see that. Absolutely exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) Like, or like if I'm on like TTC or whatever, you know, like you want privacy for what you're, you don't want people to just see through the back of your phone. Yeah, no, it's bad. It's bad all around. There's going to be like a situation like with how um, in iRobot, Will Smith was really excited about the vintage Converse. People just, like, are really excited about vintage Galaxy phones or whatever. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, you can't see through the back. It's like, like, 2340 and some motherfucker is, like, stoked as hell to get an iPhone 10. (laughs) Oh, God. They also used, like, a lot of iPads. Yeah, there's also one iPad that the military hands him that 
is not glass. But then another one is, I don't know what the fuck these people are doing with their technology. Obviously, different branches have different budgets and upgrade their iPads at different times. Fair, fair. Um, we get another scene of neck drug. And like, I was like, is this a nicotine patch or it's nicotine? <laughs> nicotine. Um, <laughs> <coughs> oh, God. Um, it's some sort of neck drugs, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, oh, God, what happens next? Um, I, f- I wrote a note that I think he's he's using neck drugs because he's nervous about going back into space because he's afraid he will not be able to resist pulling the global surge lever again. Uh, speaking of global surge, we find out that like 43,000 people died from that surge. Uh-huh. I think... And like. Here's what I think happened. Global Surge was a marketing campaign for Surge Soda. Okay. But they took viral marketing literally. (laughs) They tried to engineer a virus that would make people more likely to buy Surge Soda. And it was Brad McBrad's job to pull the lever (laughs) and activate that. Uh, so that's what happened. He's responsible for the global surge because he pulled the surge lever. Right. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so um, at this point, he's like, he accepts the mission. We get some more scenes of him being a wife guy and doing drugs. Yeah. And then, and then he, he start. he meets Donald Sutherland, who I'm assuming is his neck drug dealer. Probably. Or Donald Sutherland and uh, Tommy Lee Jones have a history of working together on fixing old Soviet satellites. That, that too. Which is, again, a, a reference to Space Cowboys. Also that. <laughs> so that's how Donald Sutherland figures into the plot. Space Cowboys. Yeah. <clears throat> Donald Sutherland. Satellite fixer. Drug pusher. Neck drug. Neck drug. Specifically neck, neck drugs. drugs. So they go to the moon, which is apparently like a tourist hub or something. Yeah, there's like a... Um, it's like basically like... So I think there's like commercial lunar flight and like there's a moon base and people just live on the moon base or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's a moon port. It's, yeah, it's like a moon full on moon airport with a goddamn Applebee's. And I think there was also a Bob's Big Boy. <laughs> Or at least that's the sign. I saw a sign when they cut to the outside where it looked like a Bob's Big Boy sign. That's amazing. Um, They also have escalators on the moon, which I felt was pointless because you could just jump. Like, (laughs) they don't act like the moon has moon gravity at all. I think they've definitely invented some artificial gravity technology for stationary objects. Mm -hmm. Like, that's possible. But they haven't for ships yet. Yeah. Like, all of the rockets that they use don't have artificial gravity. Right. Which is interesting, given that they have the technology, clearly. Yeah. I also would like to note that the, like, futuristic Space Force 
fucking sucks at their job has camo uniforms yeah yeah they they do which i i appreciate the accuracy to the real space force in their camo uniforms but again i'd like to reiterate why do the space force why does space force need camo who are they fighting that they need to be camouflaged from in space well we find out in like the next scene because they take moon buggies over to like the military base that's like away from the the spaceport hub or whatever and they get fucking mad maxed they do get <laughs> mad before we talk about the mad max scene can we just go over the moon's slogan uh because i wrote it down okay. and it was one of my favorite moments from the whole movie because it was very believable I don't remember what it was. It was Earth's moon where the world comes together. <laughs> and like that's such a dorky slogan yeah. that only NASA could come up with yep. it. And that's what makes it perfect. Yeah, I'll allow it. That is extremely good. So like in this Mad Max scene though, I'm like confused as to who they're being attacked by. Uh, yeah, they're definitely getting moon maxed. And I think it's Moon Pirates. <laughs> I, I don't know, but Moon Maxing is banned at my D&D table. <laughs> um, I wrote down the note, Buzzard's right! Eyes on! Eyes on! <laughs> I, I, I have in my notes, are they implying that there are moon-based highwaymen? That, I think... Like, I had no idea what was happening, but it absolutely owned Bones. It was an amazing scene. I don't... It was a great scene. It was fucking like, awesome. I'm just... We also find out here that they have fucking laser guns in, in the yes. near future. This is the first time we're introduced to the concept of laser guns visually. Yes. And, like, it just feels weirdly out of place for, like, how familiar a lot of the technology looks. Yes. Yeah, I don't know... It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. There are space pirates on the moon where there's a major co- commercial hub and military bases. I don't know how they haven't... Like, where are they hiding? Okay, so the thing is, like, they establish that there's still a lot of war going on, right? Yeah. Like, at the in the opening crawl or whatever we want to call it, where they had, like, the, you know, humanity looks to the stars for hope. What if those were just, like, fucking cosmonauts and it's like, oh, Americans going to an American military base. They're valid military targets. Okay. Pew, pew, pew. That's possible. I don't want to, like, make it all about the Americans fighting the Russians. Yeah. But it seems plausible. That's plausible. Like, I'll allow it. This movie has a lot of, like, weird moments where it's, like, a little, like, uncomfortably retro and space russians might be part of that that would make sense but there was a point where they they had like a black and white striped flag which was what made me think pirates okay that's fair um we'll find out when we read the summary i don't know it it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense because like it's the fucking moon there's like five buildings where is this fucking space pirate operation being run out of the applebee's (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the that's the space equivalent of curbside to go is curbside to go to hell yeah they just fucking shoot at you and then run into a solar panel when you hit your brakes 
<laughs> they were very bad space pirates, and all of the military boys died except for Brad Pitt and Donald Sutherland, who is for some reason following his neck drug client to the moon for I don't know <laughs> why. Um, but I think he gets mortally wounded because in the next scene he gives Brad McBrad uh, like a like top secret data chip or something, which I'm assuming has the neck the like the neck drug recipe. Either that or the recipe for surge, among other things, because it's confirmed like a scene oh, yeah. later that it's just it's, a video message yes. from his dad. Um. Okay, so they escape the moon pirates, and they get to this base where they then get onto another ship. ship. Because the first flight was a commercial flight. I think this one's a military flight, but a secret military flight. Yeah, the first one was definitely the first one was definitely operated by Virgin Atlantic. They (laughs) pulled that branding there. That was pretty prominent. Did it? It it actually said Virgin Atlantic on it. Yeah, they wouldn't have changed like the slogan to be like because like Virgin Atlantic is cross Atlantic flights. Yep. No, it was Virgin Atlantic. There's so many better things they could have pulled for that. That's a theme in this movie. Like they could. (laughs) Okay, but like there there are like dozens of lunar seas that they could have pulled the name from and be like, oh, look how clever we are. Yeah. We've like, you know, we've referenced the fact that it's a virgin flight and virgin names things after the body of water that they're flying across. It's like, I don't think they trusted the average viewer to connect that well enough to Virgin Atlantic. Okay. Yeah. No, that fair. <laughs> um, so that like, but, yeah. Okay. But like, Virgin Tranquilatus would be such a cool name. Fuck, that would be so good. But that's for another movie, right? <laughs> we'll just have to rewrite this movie. Yes, we will. So that it's better. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where the trained military space people are just fucking playing with food in ZRG and like shooting pills across the spaceship to each other. Like I assumed that this these pills were actually space Viagra. Oh, definitely. Oh, oh, so they're going to fuck party. Well, you would think. But okay, but be, so if you did have a space fuck party, here's the problem. Yes. Like it's all well and good until you're nut. Because when you nut in space, it pushes you, push you backward. And their fuel has to be extremely precisely cap. Oh, we're going to throw that out the window real soon, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. Uh, so Brad Bradson, Brad, Brad McBrad watches the video of his husband, dad, possible future clone. What if we just call him his dad? Oh, yeah, that works. The (laughs) the implication works on multiple levels. (laughs) Yes, it does. Okay, so that's his dad. Tommy Lee Jones is Brad McBrad's daddy. Um, And named Cliff, by the way. Named Cliff. Yeah, Cliff Daddy. Yeah, his name is like H. Clifford McBride. Cliff Daddy is... That's good. Or Daddy Cliff. Um, I feel like I've like met someone who calls himself Daddy Cliff at, at, at an event. That's uh-huh. possible. Um, we might have to cut that part. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want the audience knowing what kind of events oh, I go God. to. Uh, yeah, well. Emma's going to leave that in. Like, definitely guaranteed. Leave that in. Yep. Um, so... They shoot pills around the cabin of the spacecraft instead of just using neck drugs like a sensible person 
Um, I think maybe neck drugs are banned in space is the only explanation for that. And I am supported by this in this because uh, Brad gets very sad in like the next scene. And I'm assuming it's because they told him neck drugs aren't allowed in space. Potentially. Um, He watches the video on his future cool AirPods. Which are somehow attached to his phone, which, mind you, it's just a sheet of glass. So it's like what, like a quarter centimeter thick? Well, it's got Bluetooth. It's got future Bluetooth. It, It just, the tech doesn't make sense. How does he have earbuds inside of something that small uh you know um they're in a cloaking cloaking okay ear, cloaking, cloaking. That, that my earpod cloaking yeah um i wrote in my notes uh when do the aliens want to sh- when do the aliens show up that's what i want to know <laughs> uh we get very well okay so they're flying to mars and they get a mayday from a space station right and they decide to stop because that's how long distance space travel works. So I, I assume the tech is that they have like solar powered engines, which is why they have the solar cells on their engines. So they don't actually have to carry that much fuel because okay. taking off from the moon, I have to imagine, doesn't consume a ton of right. fuel. But so if you just have like fully charged electric engines or whatever, you can like, you know, do your thing. Yeah. And then, like, when you're traveling through space, you just put out the solar panels and you solar panel your way through space. But even even completely disregarding the fuel situation, there's timing to consider. Because, like, Mars is moving through space pretty goddamn fast. So, like, the way all of this works is they basically, like, fucking rocket a thing out there and just, like meet it as it's coming by you can't like chase it around orbit that's not gonna work so they've fucked themselves by stopping at the station except they haven't except they also kind of have they definitely did because one of their crew members gets totally wrecked gets his situation just 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 dunked on by a baboon on the station there's like two baboons are there two yes Just a quick note, listeners. The following content contains fairly graphic descriptions of gore and harm to animals. If these subjects are uncomfortable or triggering for you, skip ahead to 32 minutes and 17 seconds. Okay, so there's... So, like, I guess this space station was testing, like, the long-term effects of isolation and zero-g on baboons. Also rats. There was one dead floating rat that I saw and was very sad about. Agreed. So, like, clearly humanity has not evolved beyond torturing animals by, like, hurling them into space and seeing how long it takes for them to go crazy. But boy, did these baboons go crazy. crazy. This baboon smashed through the guy's, like, space helmet faceplate and, like, literally chewed his nose off. It was pretty fucking gross. It was grody. Um, um, he almost, the, the baboon almost gets Brad McBrad, but he closes an airlock and spaces the thing. Right, so the baboon depressurizes. He shoots one of them, and then he spaces the other one such that it depressurizes and, and explodes, explodes all over the 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 window. Um, and then he fucking oh, duct tapes the dying, like the face eated guy's thing. Which, my dude, I think it's a little late for that one. 
like he's got like a fully shattered faceplate and Brad is just like trying to duct tape over the hole. Right. And they've lost air in the space station. It's a very futile effort. Mm-hmm. This guy is fully like definitely dead. Well, no. Had they lost air? Because like the baboons were still yeah, alive. So I guess they hadn't. But he had. But what would they the- had to go like through space to get back to their ship? Because they right, like. So that's what the duct tape yeah, was for. But like, I don't think that's gonna help. Dude also has an exposed, no. like partially chewed off hand. Right. You're gonna need a lot of back. And I definitely that. don't think duct tape is like completely airtight at all. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to put it over like a hole in a bunch of shattered glass. I think it's supposed. Isn't duct tape like literally supposed to be airtight? Because it's supposed to be for fixing. No, ducts? it's actually not for that. It's actually very bad for that. <laughs> that's that's like that's like a one of those like common myths. It's actually like very bad for any sort of like air or watertight repairs. Okay, then. Interesting. Yeah. It was originally made for fixing like canvas tents or something like that. In World War Two. Oh, um, I I have in my notes right before the baboon scene. So at what point does Brad McBride get kidnapped by an evil scientist and forced to watch movies? Uh, <laughs> because he appeared to be going to the satellite of love. <laughs> yeah, that's soon. I think. Yes. Um, I, I have in my notes robot roll call. <laughs> And then I started singing the song to myself while I was watching the movie, slightly losing my mind. Yeah, that's fair. So they move on to Mars and they get to Mars and their rocket is like going down all tilted and right because there's another um there's another surge oh is that the problem okay i think so because i think the space station that his dad was on was the thing that was sending out the surges (sighs) oh i think we don't know that until the scene where like that he shows up at the space station and you see like one of the satellite dishes like pulsing with the same blue energy that caused the surge So much is becoming clear to me. But like, so I assume that so they get hit by another surge and I think the surge knocks out their landing computer. So they have to land manually. Nobody wants to do it. And the pilot of this Mars ship is like a complete scrub and can't do it. So because he's too busy relying on the computers to have ever learned how to land a fucking spaceship. So Brad has to do it. Yes. Our, our Mary Sue of a character, Brad McBride, has to come and save exactly. the day. Even though, till previously, he was just a repairman on a space elevator. Yeah, it's fine. Um, so they get to Mars, and uh, what's-her-name from Russian Doll is, like, the secretary checking them in. Mm-hmm. And they have, like, weird, like, remote heartbeat sensors or something. I don't know what the point of that is he also goes through like security at this yeah, point i feel like which he didn't on the moon which was strange yeah. so he goes through mars security i have written in my notes do you think that in the future space tsa knows that some women have dicks i'm not hopeful <laughs> i am also not hopeful so uh martian tsa just probably has a lot of problems oh, absolutely in that regard absolutely I think this is space jail. You think they send people to Mars as like a prison? I, it would explain some of the architecture in this Mars base. 
I just assumed that it was poured concrete because it's easy to make things out of poured concrete and like yeah brutalist architecture happens because of a necessity and that's why so many government buildings are built in that style it's cheap to build that's fair so I assume poured concrete cures well enough on Mars that like yeah you know making buildings out of poured concrete and like that whole brutalist style just works yeah like the ceilings were weirdly high in this whole thing I feel like because like the corridors were like super cramped but then the ceilings were super high and there is also like a stray dog in this Mars base so like the, the whole, like, Mars sequence gave me the same feeling that I got playing that game Control, where it's, like, a lot of the corridors are a little too narrow. Yeah. But then you get into these, like, rooms where the ceilings are, like, hundreds of feet high, and, like, it's really weird and really cool, and, like, I was into it. And then one of the hallways had, like, a spiral in like a fractal sort of pattern the way that like control did with like the building in that game having like rooms that looked like they were made out of bismuth Uh, crystals maybe and i was like it just like it hit that point where i was like huh because like control has a lot of retro future stuff too so have we encountered a movie that features viral marketing for a soda that is itself viral marketing for a video game. Potentially. I think that's definitely what happened here. So like everything circles back to um, video games that released in 2019. Yeah, definitely. I don't know when this movie came out. (laughs) When did it come out? Okay, I have to be completely upfront. The reason that I know that Tommy Lee Jones' Brad Pitt's dad is because I remember seeing a trailer for this movie. Okay. I don't remember seeing a trailer for it. The only, like, I saw a few snippets of it because someone was watching it next to me on an airplane. But I did not have any sound, so I feel like my movie watch integrity is maintained. Okay, it came out in August of 2019. There you go. Uh, when did Control come out? I'm going to go with September 2019. Um, Let's see. August 2019. Okay, so I'm right. Two days before this movie came out. I mean, there's no other explanation. It's viral marketing. That's the only there thing it There is be. no other explanation. <laughs> oh my god. We still have like a fucking hour left of the movie. Yes. We've been going for an hour. <laughs> We've already uncovered a conspiracy. Wonderful. Um, so they pull him into a, like, super ultra soundproof room for, as far as I can tell. Like a weird brutalist style recording yeah, booth. Yeah, so I think he's recording AS. They brought him all the way out to spa- to Mars to record ASMR. <laughs> right, he needs to send his daddy some ASMR videos. Yeah, it's ASMRs. ASMR? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I wasn't 100% sure if he was still, like, on mission for the military or if he had been kidnapped by space pirates and brought to their Mars base. Because, it, it, like, for a while I thought they were, like, interrogating him or having him read, like, ransom notes or something like that. I, I think his purpose was to go to Mars to establish radio contact with his dad's, like... We find out later that his dad is on a space station orbiting Uranus. So I assume that because, like... 
Mars is closer, they figure radio contact would be easier to maintain. Okay. So he's just like reading a letter saying, hi, dad, it's me, your son. I don't know why they needed him to do that. Because... Unless he's just really good at ASMR. I also don't know why they needed like a super soundproofed room for that. (laughs) Today, I'm going to be reading a letter to my father. So here we have... Yes. A piece of paper with a letter written on... Uh, I can't do it. (laughs) I can't fucking do it. I'm sorry. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. No. This is why they brought Brad McBrad, because he's better at ASMR. Mm -hmm. He's the king of ASMR. So he gets to be in a cool room with pictures all over the wall. And I want that room so bad. Okay, but I we need to talk about this room. Because you walk through like a barren, completely empty, poured concrete hallway. Yes. And it's like really long. Yeah. And at the end of the hallway is a room that is labeled in like Helvetica font. Something like it, it's labeled comfort room yeah so you have to walk through this creepy dimly lit corridor yeah to get to the comfort room where there's all of the walls are screens that just display pictures of birds and shit yeah and this is the corridor where there's a stray dog which like hey guys (laughs) what are you doing you have a stray dog in your mars military base it's chewing on garbage on the floor Hey, no dogs allowed on Mars, just like no dogs on the moon. Yeah, I don't know how it got there or why it's like that base can't be that big. But they have a stray dog. Oh, God, that but like it's so dystopian that you have to like walk through this like terrible, scary corridor. Yeah. To a comfort room. Yeah. Have them play artificial earth sounds at you. Yeah. And there's like pictures on all of the walls. It looks pretty, like, I want to play video games in it. Right, like, it'd be great for playing games in, because, like, you're surrounded by the world. It's like yeah. it's like a holodeck almost, yeah. but, like, not quite. It would be pretty cool. It would be cool. But, like, it just shouting, like, bird sounds at you and, like, showing you pictures of birds does not remind me of home. It's, like, no. uncanny valley. No, it doesn't, it didn't look very comforting, for sure. Uh... Now, we also, again, have space camo yeah this time though at least the camo is red patterned yeah so it's like good mars camo yeah like the moon camo didn't make any sense mars camo made sense yep except here's the thing if you're gonna be fighting someone on mars right like you're gonna be in spacesuits. why do your fatigues have to be <laughs> mars camo in case the enemy has special devices that let them see through spacesuits. obviously come on cat okay i guess but i give up um it's about here that um we 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 come across what i believe is uh, a possible second explanation for the neck thing okay what if the neck thing is not neck drugs but it's an ai therapist that you talk to through your neck Because I did notice that, like, every time he has his neck thing on, he's talking, like, to himself. Possible. Is it 
it's a neck-based therapist. They like it actually it's on his neck, but it's actually injected into his brain stem and he like sticks in a different USB cord depending on what therapist he wants for the day. Yeah. Like but then he doesn't use it on his long ass space flight where he's like super lonely. He never turns to his therapist. So Right. So we need to actually get to that point. Yeah. First we have to get to some shit because this is where the movie takes a hard right turn yeah so his crew is leaving mars without him and so he has to like sneak onto the rocket which right so he gets like a briefing from someone who's like hey we're classifying what your dad is doing as a mutiny we're gonna go kill him yeah it's basically what i gathered from context clues yeah so he she like drops him off at a like fucking manhole in the middle of the Mars desert and he climbs in and is immediately in a giant body of water under the surface of Mars that has a bunch of shit floating in it. I don't know what this is supposed to be. I think it's like the Mars based septic tank. Oh God. So he has to fly. So he has to swim through their shit in his spacesuit in the water. It does take him like way too many scenes. There are so many fucking shots of him going through the water for no reason. Um, It was gratuitous. Yeah, but he makes it. He follows like, a cable that coincidentally leads him directly to the rocket launch pad. Okay, so it was at this point that my brain was screaming <laughs> and I put it on 1.25 speed okay. because I just couldn't deal with it anymore. Yeah, I don't blame you there. So he like, at this point, he, he goes through the sewer, he gets to the ship somehow. Yes, and he like, and the like engines are like, in their warm-up phase, and he just sort of, like, walks under them and climbs up the wall of the launch pad and just fucking hops in a little hatch as the thing is taking off. Right, so he skitches into space, <laughs> like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Yeah. Actually, I think skitching wasn't added until, like, Pro Skater 4. <laughs> but... Or it's, maybe it was Tony Hawk's Underground that you started being able to sketch. I don't remember which. It doesn't matter. It's a real Tony Hawk pro skater move. Yeah, he somehow manages not to get completely incinerated by the rocket engines and just climbs in a hatch casually. Right. because he, I, But like they're leaving atmosphere when he does. Yeah. There's heat for friction. I, I don't care if it's Mars. You're still going to get atmospheric friction. There's also and like, apparently no acceleration G-forces because he just sort of casually hangs on, walks in and then he gets inside and people notice what's happening and like the crew tries to like come stop him and there's no indication whatsoever that A, the rocket is vertical so that they are definitely, like, they would just fall to the back of the rocket, right? There's one indication of that. And it's when the other person, like, so he's in there. He's, like, doing his 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 thing. And they're, yeah. like, coming to try to kill him. And he, like, throws one of the other crew members or something. I don't remember the exact circumstances. I do remember that that one crew member takes a very hard, very fast fall and has their face turned into jelly oh, by the back of the spaceship. Yes, that did happen. <laughs> so 
there is some indication that they're accelerating very quickly. Yeah. I imagine that his space boots have like magnets in them or whatever. That's possible. And then he gets into like a fist fight with one of the crew members. And at this point, I think they're in zero G because there's lots of like spinning around and like jumping mm-hmm. at each other off the walls. And then someone... While the crew member tries to stab him with a screwdriver. Yeah, and then some fucking genius decides that shooting a laser gun inside a currently space-borne spaceship is a real good call. Yes. And he shoots some sort of tank on the wall, which I'm assuming, like, releases, like, toxic gas or something that kills everybody. Right, it's the tank of neurotoxin that you keep on every single plane. Yes. Uh, so everybody dies except for Brad McBrad because he's in a spacesuit. Right. And so he just sort of takes over the flight to get his daddy. Yep. Uh, so at this point, my notes say, oh no, this movie just got really bad. <laughs> like, really bad. Yeah. Um, there's a point where he finds a nuclear bomb mm-hmm. uh, just sort of tucked into an unsecured uh, compartment that says warning like radiation. Yeah, uh, it's got like a it's got like a safety diamond on it. Yeah. With like the UN code or something like that. And it's, yeah, it's not locked or anything like it's one of those moments that is like weirdly specific where like the level of specificity of having the right safety placards on the container holding the nuclear bomb versus like the laser guns that we mysteriously have like it's that disconnect between realistic and like you know like yeah there's a lot 1950s sci-fi yeah he also gives himself stomach drugs at one point Mm -hmm. and it was, it was real gross. gross. I think he's actually setting up like a, it's either food or it's like a colostomy bag because he's putting himself into deep sleep. Is that, but wait, did he? But but then the next like infinity shots are of him awake doing stuff. I, I don't know. During he, the journey. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. He definitely. With stomach drugs. I thought he, he definitely goes into like hibernation between Mars and Jupiter at some point, and then again between Mars and uh, between Jupiter and Saturn, okay. and then again to get to the base. Okay, where he's just like fucking, yeah. Okay, I'll allow it. He definitely does hibernation, just sort of like floating in the middle of the rocket, though unsecured. It seems like a very bad idea. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a bad idea as opposed to their standing sleeping bag things that they had before. Yeah. I, I have in my notes, okay, hear me out. Maybe it's not a great idea to send someone with PTSD from an exo-atmospheric fall into space to find his equally trauma- traumatized dad. Yeah, maybe not the best idea. And then the very next thing is, lol, Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. So we're like real close we're to the end of so the movie close. here. So he finds. Even though there's like half an hour left. He finds Daddy's station. So at this point, we see he like takes a little shuttle pod to the station. Yeah. Right? We see the blue light coming off of one of the satellite dishes, which indicates that the electrical surge is coming from the space station, which is why they sent the nuke to blow it the fuck yes. up. Yes. I. It's either that or they're blowing up the station to cover up the existence of aliens. Little column A, little column A. And aliens are definitely turning monkeys into murder apes 
to kill people. Most assuredly. And that's the main point of the surge is to transform baboons. Like the the electrical surge is a, an unintended side effect. Or maybe it's monkeys react. Oh my God. What if the monkey was like the test subject for the surge marketing virus? So the, and the monkey just went completely Okay, first of all, it's a baboon. It's not a monkey. But yeah, ba- the baboon. The baboon went crazy. For surge. Because it couldn't get any surge. Yes. They were like, sorry, baboon, we only have root beer. Yeah. Because by the time Brad McBrad gets to Daddy's station, Tommy Lee Jones is starting to look a little bit ape-like. And I think he's being transformed into a surge murder ape. Which explains his behavior in that happens in a few minutes. Right. Well, because like when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, humans are still apes. Yeah. And he gets turned into you know? a, a murder ape, which is why he has trouble putting on the space gloves. Because mm-hmm. um, space gloves are hard for half murder apes. I wrote that down as a Either note. Either that or arthritis. One of the one two. One of the two. So he sets... They, they set the nuclear bomb on the station and he tries to take his daddy home with him, I guess. And they're climbing around the outside of daddy's station. And daddy just fucking turns on his maneuvering jets and flies backwards. While strapped into, while strapped into Brad. Yeah. So he just like takes both of them off of the station into space. And Dunzo, he's done. He's done. And Brad tries to kiss him through their space helmets. Um, right. Kiss your dad square on the lips. Exactly. He he knows that well. This is the near future. Uh, that's definitely gotten much more big culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I have in my notes at this point um, a, a actual quote from Tommy Lee Jones that was, I think, said to um, Jim Carrey on the set of the Batman movie they were in together. <laughs> So I have in my notes, Father, I cannot condone your buffoonery. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, at this point, he's completed his murder ape transformation. So Brad has to cut him loose and just let him die. And then Brad decides to, I guess, just kind of take a nap in space and wait to die. I'm not 100% sure what the point of that was. I don't know, but at this... Okay, so at this point, the nuke is armed. Yes. Using the code 2121, which I'm assuming is his... The date that they broke up. Daddy and and Brad. Their their celebrity power couple name is Braddy. <laughs> Braddy. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hate myself. Um, so Brad, uh, Brad takes a nap in space while the nuke is definitely still armed. Um, he doesn't really have time to be wasting, but he does. He takes a nap. He wakes up from his nap, uses his own jets to get back to the spinny, the spinny thing. thing on the station. He pulls a panel off of it, and then he demonstrates the most wild shit. I've ever seen in a sci-fi movie because he jumps from daddy station to his ship, which is through one of the ring, which like it's through the rings around the planet. Right. Well, because so there's a bunch of like debris. Cause when he gets to the space station for some ungodly reason, he takes it upon himself 
to fucking kick the space shuttle away from the space station. Is that what happened? I Here's what I thought happened was he got there and he tried to dock, but like the docking mechanism was disabled, so it couldn't attach right. to the thing. And it just sort of like bounced and flew away. And he didn't like try to stop it or anything. Well, I mean, like it's space. All he needs to do is enact a force on it that he's got jets, right? Like, so you just grab onto it. You open the hatch, you grab onto the thing, you use your suit's air jets to like, yeah, and you like bump it into the thing and you hold it in place and then you have a shuttle to go back. Yeah, I mean, he's got duct tape. We know he has duct tape. He could just tape it on. It's true. <laughs> as long as there's no outside forces acting on it, he'll be okay. Yeah. They're in stationary orbit. Yeah. Um, so instead he tries to jump through the ring debris he does field. His, his, he does his Tony Hawk's Underground 4 yeah. space maneuver. Um, so he, he does, he executes the most precise jump in human history. And he uses a panel from like the solar panel on daddy's space station as like a shield. So none of the space debris hits him in the face. It gets hit a lot, which somehow does not affect his momentum at all. Like, it's fine. He doesn't just, like, run into a big-ass rock and stop. Uh, he fucking plows through the whole thing, no problem. And, like, he, like... At, like, super goddamn high speed. Yeah, he, like, hits that... He hits the spaceship really fucking fast. Yeah. Well, he gets through the ring field... And then he uses his jets to accelerate towards his spaceship and just fucking annihilates himself along the side of it. Doesn't, I guess, think to use his jets to slow himself down when he gets closer to the thing. No time. So he like fucking tumbles along the side of his ship until he manages to like, just before he goes off the end, he grabs a hold of like the door and climbs inside. Oh, no, keep keep in mind at this point, daddy has decided to float off into space and just fucking die. Yeah. So he's alone again. And then he like, he turns all the lights back on because to be environmentally conscious, he turned all the lights off before he yeah. left. And he gets the thing ready to, like, go back to Earth. And then he, I like, uses the fucking nuclear bomb explosion to propel him at Earth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he, surfs, on the, he surfs on the wave of radiation. Yeah. Uh, which is another, like, fucking top-tier level aim situation because he yeah, lands straight. He's got corrective rockets. Does he? I, I mean, like, there's powered flight throughout the whole true, like, journey true. back. Okay. Because, yeah. Because of the solar panels. He definitely launches himself straight at Earth. Lands... I guess people were expecting him because it's fine. They pull him out of the pod. He's fine. This is where he had his CGI beard. Um, right. And he couldn't he couldn't walk because like he's been in space forever and zero G and like he's got to take some time to relearn how to walk like every astronaut. Right. Does. I wrote a note here that was just he made it home husbandless, but not hopeless. <laughs> so at, when this scene played out, I think it was intended that because everything was a little blurry, you didn't see like cities or anything like that. Yeah. That it was a question as to whether or not he went back to Earth or went back to some other life-sustaining planet that had aliens on it. Uh, I Until you see the people and it's like, oh, okay, it's just regular people. He gets to go home and be a wife guy it's again. It's fine. I, I want to know how long he was gone. 
Like, was there time dilation shenanigans involved? Because it definitely looked like, like, they really played up, like, how green the Earth was. I thought they were going for, like, civilization has fully collapsed and the Earth has, like, returned to a more natural state or something. But then there's just the U.S. military still existing. It's fine. And his wife is still And there. most importantly, neck drugs are still there. It comes full circle. It's very important that he still has the neck drug. He definitely was in neck drug withdrawal for a lot of the movie, it seemed like. But he finally got home to his neck drugs. Um, I want to know if anybody told his wife about his daddy, husband. Um, Yeah. I assume that's why they were estranged. Yeah. She found out that their marriage was illegal because he was technically still married yeah, to daddy to daddy married to daddy i want that on a t i don't want that on a t-shirt 100 <laughs> <100%. laughs> percent. do not want that on a t-shirt um <laughs> that that reminds me of that t-shirt that i saw uh that was one of those like computer generated i'm gonna find okay. the shirt so i can read it out to you because it's the most cursed thing well, i've ever you seen do that. okay wait i found it I found it. it was so, like, there are those, like, sh- shirt websites that generate shirts based on stuff that, like, just based on, like, random sentences mm-hmm. that, like, theoretically make sense. Yeah. So this one says, I'm a proud dad of a freaking awesome lifestyle dominatrix. <laughs> and it's the most cursed shirt that I have ever seen. I... I'm gonna send this to you so you can see it and be in pain with me. It... <sighs> <laughs> I'd like to note that the shirt was only $18 and you can get um, it in four colors and 12 sizes. That's good. We're really earning that explicit rating this time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need neck drugs to get over this. <laughs> Listeners, if you know where to find neck drugs, hit us up on uh, Twitter at Unsound Theories. Hashtag neck drugs don't lie. <laughs> Hashtag take him in the neck. <laughs> um, that covers it for the movie. Uh, so I guess it's mid-roll time? Uh, yeah. It's mid-roll time. I guess time. it's mid-roll time. Okay, we do actually have some stuff we could talk about for the mid-roll. Yes, um, let's do it. Okay, so for this week's mid-roll, one of the things we want to talk about is the project that one of our collaborators at So Says Media is putting out. Our wonderful collaborator, Erin, is working on a series of cryptid videos that she's calling the Kobold Detectives. And the Kobold Detectives has, I believe, two episodes out. It was actually three. Uh, One of them is on Santa and Reindeer. The other is on the Jersey Devil. Um, I am featured heavily in the Jersey Devil episode. That's because you are the Jersey Devil. Well, you would think, but we came to a rather spicy conclusion at the end of that video that I think you would actually genuinely appreciate, but I'm not (laughs) going to spoil it. Okay. Because... It's one of those things that you really have to watch it. Is the Jersey Devil your daddy? No. <laughs> Definitively not. <laughs> okay. Now we know. What other stuff do we have to plug just, here? Just our, our Twitter, I guess. Yeah, um, at Unsound Theories, at So Says Media. Also, give us reviews 
on yes podcast since, sites do that thing since we're on itunes now it would really mean a lot to us if you took the time and gave us a review on itunes it's the best way for new listeners to come find our show yeah since those reviews really really do help it would mean the world does to get some itunes reviews and if your review is good, apple podcast reviews itunes is dead isn't it itunes yeah who knows Review us on Daddy Tunes. <laughs> review us to your daddy. Yes. <laughs> and, and if your review is good, I'll read it on a podcast. I think we could probably also do like, if we get reviews on iTunes, we'll do like uh, thank yous to the people who left reviews. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, listeners. So Kat and Kira did a pretty good job of covering most of the stuff we needed to cover. I'm just going to pop in here to fill in what they missed. First of all, I want to thank all of you for your patience in the last few weeks. The production team has had a really intense February, and we've had to push back our release of episode 4 a couple of times now. We are really grateful for your continued support of the podcast. Now that our schedules have cleared up, we'll be back to our regular bi-weekly release schedule. Next, I want to thank each and every one of our $1 patrons. You give us the inspiration we need to keep going. Thank you. To our $5 patrons, you not only give us the inspiration to keep going, but you make it possible for us to take time off to create and edit this goofy but lovable content. To Claire and to Qberry Muffin, thank you so much. Finally, if you're enjoying this series and this episode, tell your friends on social media. Tag us on Twitter at SoSaysMedia and at UnsoundTheories, and don't forget to use the hashtag NetDrugsDon'tLie. Now let's head back into space for more of Kat and Kira's unsound theories. So back to the show. Yes. So this is, I guess this is uh, where we do that Wikipedia rundown. Yeah. Tell us what the movie was actually about, even though it's going to be wrong because we got it right. It's viral marketing. Right. We always get it right. For neck drugs and control the video game. Okay, so, like, this one's a fairly long summary. Okay, that sounds fun. In the near future, the solar system is struck by mysterious power surges threatening all human life. (laughs) Not sure how that applies. Well, not everybody can have surge. (laughs) After nearly dying from an incident caused by a surge, Major Roy McBride, son of famed astronaut H. Clifford McBride, is informed by U.S. Space Command parentheses, Spacecom, that the surges have been traced to the Lima Project, created 29 years earlier to search the limits of the solar system for intelligent life under Clifford's leadership, from which nothing has been heard for 16 years after reaching Neptune. Told that Clifford may still be alive, Roy accepts the mission to travel to Mars and establish communication with him, joined by his father's old associate, Colonel Pruitt Donald Sutherland. Uh, Roy, famed among his fellow astronauts for keeping calm under pressure, shows little emotional reaction to the news that his father may still be alive. Well, it's because of the neck drugs. Right, it's the constant injection of neck drugs. After taking a commercial flight to the moon, Roy and Pruitt are escorted by U.S. military personnel to the Spacecom base, located in a disputed war zone on the far side of the moon. En route in lunar rovers, they're ambushed by scavenging pirates. It was pirates who killed their entire (laughs) escort and severely wound Pruitt. There are moon pirates. There are moon pirates. That makes me so happy. (laughs) Maybe this movie was good after all. Um... Upon arrival at the base, a dying prude is placed in intensive care. Roy transfers to the ship Cepheus, bound for Mars. The ship receives a distress signal from a Norwegian biomedical research station. 
Captain Tanner has Cephas stop to investigate despite Roy's protests. Roy and Tanner, who's Tanner? Oh, the captain, make their way to the station. It appears abandoned, the two split up. Roy soon discovers an escaped baboon test subject feeding on Tanner, who is severely injured. Roy attacks it when it notices his presence, but manages to kill it along with another escaped baboon that attacks him shortly thereafter. Despite Roy's attempts to save him, Tanner dies from his injuries. A brief service is held where Tanner's body is ejected into space. Again, Roy shows little reaction to Tanner's death, but in a psych eval, he admits that he experiences rage and recalls his father expressing his own rage because they don't have Surge. Yeah. Another Surge hits as the Cephas lands on Mars, requiring manual piloting to complete the landing. The interim captain freezes in fury while Roy, using his vast experience as a space pilot, remains calm, takes command of the ship, and lands it safely. Roy is led to an underground space comm base where he meets director, um, facility director Helen Lantos and is tasked with recording voice messages to send to the Lima Project in the hopes that Clifford will respond. Roy goes off script with an emotional appeal to his father and is re- abruptly removed from the mission on the grounds that his personal connection is posing a risk to himself and the mission's success. From the reaction of the observation team to his emotional recording, he correctly assumes that an immediate response from his father has been received and demands to hear it. Sequestered in a, quote, comfort room, he's visited by Lantos, who reveals she was born on Mars and is the daughter of Lima Crew Project members. She shows Roy classified footage revealing Clifford's crew had mutinied and tried to return to Earth, causing him to turn off their life support systems. So he went into a murder fit. Okay. My daddy the murderer. So he did start his, he started his transformation into a murder ape early. Her parents were among those killed by Cliff. Uh, She tells Roy that the crew had brought him to Mars. The crew that had brought him to Mars is leaving to destroy the Lima Project station with a nuclear payload. The two decide that Roy should confront Clifford himself. Helen leads Roy to an underground lake beneath the rocket launch site. Roy clandestinely climbs aboard the ship as the rocket takes off and is subsequently discovered by crew who are instructed to neutralize him. The entire crew is inadvertently killed in the ensuing confrontation. During the long journey to Neptune, a solitary Roy reflects on his relationships with his father e- and sorry, his father, pause, and Eve, his estranged wife. <laughs> his father, Eve, his estranged wife. His father is his estranged wife, as we have determined we, in canon. Yeah. Um, the isolation and stress take a mental toll, but after a couple of months, he arrives at the Lima Project. While approaching the station, in a shuttle attached to the Cephas, the shuttle is damaged in a collision with Neptune's rings and from another surge, preventing it from docking. Okay, Roy enters the station via spacewalk while the shuttle drifts away. Finding the station abandoned and encountering the dead bodies of its crew, he plants the nuclear payload before encountering Clifford, the station's sole survivor, who explains that the surges are coming from the ship's malfunctioning antimatter power source, which has been damaged in the mutiny. Okay... Clifford has continued to work on the project, refusing to lose faith in the possibility of intelligent extraterrestrial life. Clifford admits to Roy that he never really cared about his own family and no longer considers Earth his home. Jesus. Roy copies the data gathered by Clifford and his team for the Lima project and persuades Clifford to accompany him back to Earth. He arms the nuclear payload and they climb into the station's surface to return to the Cephas. Clifford suddenly uses his spacesuit's thrusters to launch the two of them off into space. Clifford pleads for Roy to untether them from each other. Roy reluctantly does so and watches his father drift into space. He manages to propel himself backwards to the Cephas using his own spacesuit. <sighs> Without enough fuel to return to Earth... Aha, uh-huh, there was fuel scarcity. Okay. Um, 
he relies on the shockwave from the nuclear explosion in the station to generate the required speed. Um, the data retrieved from the base suggests that humans are the only intelligent life in the galaxy. Feels bad. This inspires Roy to reconnect with those close to him, and he returns to Earth with a newfound optimism. Ugh. After expressing his opinions in a psych eval, he reconnects with his estranged wife, Eve. Uh, That's the single most disappointing ending that that could have had. Yeah. So I can't believe it doesn't mention neck drugs in the summary. I can't believe that the conclusion was nope, no aliens. Right? And the surge things were like an accident. And not, like, daddy, like, going it, hog wild. Right. It, 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 they made, every time they had to make a story decision, they did the wrong one. Right. It set up so many things that it didn't pay off. Yeah. And, like, subverting tropes works, kind, kind of. Yeah, they... But when every trope is subverted, and, like, the only thing that you actually have that happens is the hero heeds the call to action and like a literal meeting with the father like it, like you, you can't subvert tropes while still while literally adhering to the story circle uh, yeah that was a movie that happened for sure I don't I don't I don't know so like the, the way that the monomyth works is like in Act 1, you have the call to adventure, the refusal of the call, crossing the threshold, and then you move on to Act 2. And in Act 2, you get viral marketing. But, like, there wasn't a moment of refusal of the call. He was on board for this mission after, like, two minutes. Yeah. It took, like, it took no time at all for them to be like, yeah, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go. As long as you supply me with neck drugs in space, I'll go. I'm very sullen, but I like neck drugs. And they said, no neck drugs. And he was like, well, fine. I'm just going to take my dealer with me then. I hope that's okay. <laughs> and they were like, I guess. Okay. So there was the one other thing we did as part of the Wikipedia section. <laughs> and what's that? And that was the, that was the awards. Oh yeah. 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 So, um, Ad Astro was nominated for an Oscar. <sighs> I mean, white dudes worked on it, so... Uh, do you want to know what Oscar it was nominated for? No, but tell me. Best sound mixing. it again just to get the sound mixing <laughs> yeah because oh, um so shit. um evil producer emma to her credit is uh, a very talented sound mixer uh she is as we speak at time of recording doing load in and setting up blocking for a production of little shop of horrors that she's working on 
and not to brag about my uh, full disclosure audience, um, evil producer Emma is also my fiance. Yep. Oops. It's gay. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's so gay. <laughs> Shit. So I'm going to, I'm going to wife post on Maine for a little bit and talk about how um, with her last production, which was a, a production of the musical next to normal, she actually like won sound mixing awards for her mixing on that musical. So, um, yeah. We'll probably end up watching this movie together just so we can, like, pay attention to the sound mixing like a bunch of nerds. Yep. Um, but Best Sound Mixing is a hell of an award to be nominated for, <laughs> especially for a movie for this podcast. Yeah. That's... So perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know what it's time for? Amazon reviews? No, because there aren't any good ones. <laughs> oh. I fucking dug through so many reviews. It's just... Okay, no, here's actually a good one. <clears throat> this is a five-star review from Amazon user Shoe Lover. Definitely a faux <laughs> person. <laughs> Um, we're just going to change their name casually to Foot Daddy. Uh, this review is titled Thought Provocative. Five stars. I really liked this film, despite having read some negative reviews before watching it. It was depicting the human condition in which we all struggle. Was beautiful movie. Therapeutic. <laughs> therapeutic is an interesting choice of words for this movie yeah uh we've got a one-star review here from darth rad who says title sci-fi version of brad pitt's rancid by the sea with awful science added brad pitt in outer space in a sci-fi adventure sounds great until you actually see the movie and then all of a sudden remember he also helped produce with Angelina Jolie, the 2015 movie By the Sea. Same slow, boring pace with lots of boring, prolonged close-ups meant to indicate profound moments, TM, of characters getting close-up, yet ultimately signifying nothing. The same sort of idiotic, nonsensical plot with utterly vapid, supposed plot twists. I won't even get into the really awful work done in designing the sets for a moon base and a Mars base. Escalators. Really? Yes, I like agree. Like an earth shopping mall? <laughs> I agree. Why not just jump 10 feet to Holy the next floor? Shit. I didn't even read this review. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I feel so vindicated here. In fact, why do people walk around like they're still on Earth instead of bouncing up and down like they would be doing on the much lower gravities of the moon and Mars? Spoiler alerts. <laughs> I'm gonna take that one again. Spoiler alerts. Why are there even any other actors in this movie besides Brad Pitt? Characters come in and then get disposed of, but disposed of quickly. What's with the moon pirates? Just how the heck do you hide vast life support structure needed for a pirate base on the moon? Gag. As if they were as incompetent as depicted, Brad Pitt being able to wipe them all out single-handedly. Why are they still there? Why the fuck do they stop on their way to Mars to answer a distress call from a biomedical research sh- spaceship, which turns out to be occupied mainly by angry baboons? <laughs> Why do you need to do experiments on baboons in space near Mars? Why not Earth orbit? 
yes, it's a very bad idea to make this stop unless you've invented a spaceship that can propel itself much faster than 53,979 miles per hour, the speed of Mars as it orbits the sun. Traveling to Mars is generally going to be a precision rendezvous with certain time windows in which you must catch Mars as it swings by. Otherwise, you're chasing after Mars to close the distance if you miss it, and you'll have to wait nearly two Earth years for it to come around again. Oh my god, I feel so good! This review is literally just what you've complained about. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Oh, I have two more good reviews that I actually found because I had looked at the second page. Okay, there's like three more paragraphs left of this. Ugh, the worst plot holes involved the Morris segment. Brad Pitt has a momentary breakdown when he discovers that (gasps) his father has killed off the crew of his spaceship in order to continue his trip to Neptune. So he gets kicked off of the spaceship crew sent to blow up his father. So he has to sneak his way back swimming in his spacesuit through some sort of Martian water main uh, or sewer pipe, (laughs) which conveniently leads right to the base of the spaceship, (laughs) then has to arduously climb some two to 300 feet up the side of the rocket. It wouldn't be that hard on Mars. Mars gravity is 38% of Earth's. And then just open a hatch and let himself in. (laughs) I didn't didn't (laughs) write this. But I think I found my brain twin. And then the real fun begins. The incomprehensibly incompetent crew of PC Diverse. Okay, this review might not be that great. Uh, PC Diversity, Asian male, black male, black female, token white male, accidentally kill themselves trying to get rid of him. I don't agree with that complaint. That's not a valid complaint. The cast was perfectly all right. I mean, they are incompetent. They are incompetent. But I don't think you need to complain about, like, people's ethnicities as part of criticizing the plenty of things that are terrible about this movie. Yeah, no, you extremely don't. Then Brad Pitt flies to Neptune and blows up his father's spaceship, and his father kills himself anyway. What the fuck again? Wasn't that what the original crew was going to do anyway? Why did he need to kill them? Oh, and there's this scene with the standard Hollywood trope of Pitt's spaceship catching the blast wave of the nuclear explosion helped propel him back to Earth. Not, there's no atmosphere in space. The radiation of the nuclear explosion will travel at or near the speed of light and would fry the ship. It was still close enough to feel the blast energy, but there would be no explosion to propel him. Ugh, ugh, ugh. (laughs) Oh, shit. (sighs) Yep, pretty much. Um, so two more quick reviews. One of them is very fast. Uh, five stars from, from Vera Berry. Very good story. I love this story because it is so accurate to the truth of the fact that Earth is a rare planet and we are the impossible. God is real. <laughs> <laughs> and another five star review. Perfect for Father's Day. There are three groups of people who give this less than four stars. One estranged fathers and sons two best friends fathers and sons three women i'm pretty (laughs) sure i've said the things brad pitt's character said both externally and during his internal monologues presumably on neck drugs my relationship okay but his okay let's talk about this because his internal monologues he recorded on his phone out loud yes (laughs) <laughs> while other people could hear him yeah 
Um, my relationship or lack thereof with my father from my childhood affected my relationships with other people as I got older. But as time has gone on, so have grudges and issues of the past. My dad and I have a good relationship today, but we still butt heads, misinterpret things, and we both maintain a stubbornly cautious, optimistic, sarcastic personality. Chip off the old block. This is the only movie that's made me cry more than once. (laughs) Okay, um, I've got another review. I just need to read the title of this one. More like Bad Astra. (laughs) (laughs) Good shit. Good shit, OP. Good shit. Okay, we've been going for like two hours. A pretty cut. We've almost got... Do we want to do we want to wrap uh, things up? Do we have any other segments that we need to do? No, I think we've, is... co- we've basically covered it. That's everything. Um, yeah. Uh, if you're gonna, holy so shit! Basically, if you're gonna see this movie, make sure you have the sound on. That's our recommendation for all of the movies that we watch. I think. Yes. That said, um, maybe don't waste your six dollars on this one. Yeah. Um. Thanks for listening. We sure didn't. Unsound Theories is a production of So Says Media. You can follow us on Twitter at Unsound Theories, as well as at So Says Media. You can also check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash so says media. We also have a YouTube channel. Subscribe to us on YouTube for more queer comedy. All music used on this episode was created by Sounds Like an Earful. Until next time, thanks for listening. Yar har fiddle dee tee.